everybody! I don't know what this voice is, but welcome to Clutch or Kick, episode three. Three? I think. Three, I think. Yeah. I think we're on three, episode three. Oh yeah, sorry. We got the name uh, to episode we've three. We've rotated out Matt this week and brought in Wyatt Rivers, the CEO of Tier 7 and former esports owner of Ascent. Actually, no, you still own Ascent. Why is it former? <laughs> um, and uh, former pro player. That's why I said former, because I yeah. had that in my mind. Right. Um, former, former Valorant pro player? <laughs> just pro. We won't say what games. <laughs> well, I think we actually, our team, we had a pretty bountiful professional career. That one first tournament we played, where mm. we made, I think, top 32. Is we that considered made, professional? Top, top 16. Top, top 16. In the first in, tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Was, we had a one-week stint. And since then, we've had a habit of entering tournaments and going out to the team to go to the finals in the first round. Yeah. Right, right. To, to be fair, I mean, to be clear to all of the viewers, we're not entering, like, the T1 tournament and going out to the winners. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are entering some $50 tournaments no, and going no, out to the Let's put some respect on the name Tier 7. We're entering five hundred dollar tournaments, not fifty. Okay, okay, very true. It was funny for like two weeks in the beta when you actually like were pretty good at the time. You actually like got some wins and like yeah, we're on the momentum. Like we're yeah, getting I some mean, wins here, and then it just dipped, and we're like, screw it. <laughs> dude, I'm still good at the game. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Anyway, let's let's begin the episode talking about the acts and the episode structure. So this is essentially. The format that the Riot are doing to describe their timeline of events and their the sort mm. of update structure. I think they're, they're matching it up with their battle pass system, acts and episodes. I, I think what they're three episodes per act, and it, it lasts two months no, per episode. No, no, wait, it's three acts per episode. Three acts yeah, per yeah. episode. Yeah, so wait. like an episode no, is like you're wrong. No, are you sure? No, an episode is a big thing. No, wait. No, no it's an act no, is it's a big thing. An act is the big thing. Yeah. Brian was correct. <laughs> well, am I correct? Oh, I, yes, I, Brian is correct. Okay. Brian is correct. Anyway, regardless <laughs> if I'm right or not, the, 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 what, where do you even begin with this? Because they say that they're going to be dropping agents, new agents at the start of every act, mm -hmm. um, new law for the people that care about it. I don't think there's many people that care about the law, um, in the Valorant scene at least. Um, I think there will be. I think that people will really start to care about the so? a lot more. Yeah, there's so many like casual fans that will get hooked in by that kind of stuff. They get hooked in by skins, like they'll tie in the skins to the lore and stuff like that. Like a lot of people love the Overwatch lore, and I don't think that the communities yeah, are that much different. Overwatch uh, is they, very different. Overwatch to Valorant, is though. very different. Well, they yeah. like to pretend that they're like edge lords and stuff, but they they're still gonna watch stuff like that. I think people will still care. Like they're not gonna. I don't think they're going to be buying plushies that much, but they're going to... See, it is! Oh, yeah, no, Josh was right. See, I was oh, really? right! Yeah, episode what? one, act one, okay. two, three. Uh, Who wrote yeah. the rundown for Me. the show? Josh. And I was correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> it says, anyway, whatever, whatever. The, the point is, they're going to be releasing three agents per episode, right? Because it's like <laughs> a new agent every act, right? Okay. Yeah, I, so, yeah, it's so ridiculous, though. So that I read is... that, and I could hear Saito scream over in Hollywood, just like, ah, because that's I... what you've been saying for months now. Am I correct in thinking, though, that that's an agent every two months? Yes. Yeah. An agent is <clears throat> planned to be released at the moment every two months. Now, they did say in the video that they would listen to community feedback and see whether that was, like, 
too much or too little. Like, mm. how on earth that could be too little? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> 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 Who's up there going, I need an agent every month! Give me a new agent! I need it! I just directly into my veins! Well, I'll be honest as well. There's more that goes into... Uh, there's more outside influences that go into the decision to add agents into the game than just, is it healthy for the game? Is it interesting for the yeah. game? Like the marketing team, for example. I didn't realize how big of a part the marketing played into the introduction of new agents, but it, it's a pretty huge part, actually. And I think I they mean, have some stay over, we need a new agent for this country, for this uh, for this region that mm, we're, we're right. trying to break into. Oh, that's a good point. And, and it affects timings like that. So... It's it's a little. I don't. I'm not making a claim that they're gonna start bringing out. I don't know, like the the, the uh, more agents from China because they're they're starting to release in China. But I think it is going to affect at least the concept that they have in their mind of their release schedule. And I don't think they're gonna be. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe they might loosen it up, but. I th I still think it's kind of crazy the concept of them adding agents so frequently because of yeah. how much they can shake up the game like Valorant. Yeah, I I'm worried about adding agents every two months because I think genuinely the only thing that can ruin this game, like actually make it really a bad game, is having agents that are unfun to play against. And you, you know, like a lot of people from Overwatch, they they eventually got turned off by whatever the meta happened to be and it not feeling fun and yeah. you can play bad maps and not really enjoy the maps but w once you get enough maps you, the, you 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 only play like the bad map once every five times or something but if you have a bad agent if they're overpowered they're in every single one of your games and it just makes every single game feel shit yeah. um Thankfully, they've so far managed to avoid that. Even though people were complaining about Raisin Reina, they really haven't been that bad. But I do think it's yeah, a good potential. I, I think on, it's Wes. a bit worrying every two months, though, because uh, if you consider the, the chance that they do add an agent that's overpowered, how many weeks it's going to take to actually properly balance that agent. You yeah. might be coming up on a time where there's already going to be another one added to the game. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's it, taken like five months for that. No, not five months. How long has the game even been since uh alpha i don't know, I don't know a couple like months two months, months two months maybe yeah two, three months, it's taken yeah. a, a couple of months to balance sage though right yeah like we're exactly. only just starting to see sage starting to trickle out of every single exactly because so yeah. they could totally do the same thing with another new agent because you have to make a change and then you need to give it you have to allot some period of time where people need to actually play test it so they can get accurate information as to if the change was good or not there's just not gonna uh, it, uh, yeah i i don't think that's uh, a reasonable timeline. I think it's just yeah. too many agents in a year. I think maybe every three months would be a bit better, personally. What yeah. a crazy amount of agents you're going to have in a couple of years, though. I mean, that's bonkers, oh, yeah. right? Like They have you, to change you, that at some point. Six yeah. per year. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. And it feels so counterintuitive for Valorant as we knew the game, because everyone propped it up to be like the hardcore tactical shooter. You know, they everything is so hardcore in a sense that it like there's no randomness or anything to it and then it just feels like last minute they're like oh by the way uh agents every two months and it feels like if i had to speculate like conspiracy theory it just has to come from someone above who's like how are we going to make money on this game because like the game is mm. free and it's like most people won't actually buy skins like i buy skins because i don't know what i'm doing 
but most of the people won't buy skins. And at that point, it's like, how are you making money? Well, people yeah. want to play new heroes and agents. And that, that, that feels like the primary reason behind agents so often. Because I don't, like, if I had to speculate, I don't even think the developers want to push out the agent every two months. Like, I don't think they want to do that, but yeah. it's like I, outside of their Have hands. you seen the kind of, I don't know whether people have really thought about the way that agents are monetized. We're taking a look at the battle pass here as well, because there's going to be a new battle pass every act, which I think is a, a good way of monetizing your game. But for the agents, the way that you unlock agents within the game is that you need a certain amount of whatever the in-game currency is. I can't even remember the name of it, like Radiant, Radiant. or something. Is it? No, yeah. Radiant, Radiant is the cosmetic stuff, right? Oh, right. Yeah, there's two different types of currency. One is for leveling up your items, and it's just a total scam. And the other one is for actually unlocking agents. Call it gold. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's the Valorant point system, VP. Okay, You're VP, talking about right. that, where you pay yeah. for yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's but one that... that's just XP where playing games, and that's how you unlock it, or... But... Yeah. You don't un you have to have the agent already released to build up the contract to unlock yeah. the agent. Yeah. So it's not like you build up those points by grinding the game and then when a new agent comes out you can just straight away unlock it, right? You mm -hmm. have to yeah. wait for like maybe 2 weeks yes. of building up no, that dude, experience. It takes after a long time unlocked. to unlock a new yeah. agent normally yeah. yeah so no one is going to be grinding for a new agent if a new agent is released and you think it's cool everybody is going to be buying that right now and people are going to be pissed because if there's six new agents a year that's six times that you have to shell out like 10 bucks to to have the same fun as other people playing the game yeah i oh, I, yeah. I think that i think that the way that currently agents are unlocked isn't going to be sustainable long term I, I completely agree. I still don't have some of these stock agents unlocked. I, I wanted to play Reyna, so I bought her. I still don't have, I, I, I can't play like Cypher and Viper who came yeah. out with yeah. the game. And I, I mean, I'm, I have to be playing at least like 20 hours a week of the game yeah. right now and I still don't have them unlocked. Are you actively, because yeah. you have to click on their contract and activate it. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's still not unlocked. Yeah, I still yeah, have I mean, two of them. I mean, it's I mean, that's- It's actually ridiculous. That's crazy, so. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, and that's another problem with the time frame. then. There's gonna be people who don't even have the agent. People have been- their formed opinion. People have been complaining about the XP system, about how it's um, deceptive in some ways because when you, uh, you know, they base it off into tiers, like with the battle pass, with the agent unlocking, mm. like there's a little tier that you unlock as the next level. Well, yeah. if you, for example, complete a weekly quest and get like 15,000 XP, they may have fixed this. I'm not sure. Someone needs to fact check me who's on a PC. Uh, okay. Ideally now, before I start saying something that's incorrect. How can I fact check you? You haven't said what it is. Okay, How can let, I let, me, let me say what it is. <laughs> the, 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 apparently what's happening is there's a tier and say you need 2,000 XP to unlock the next tier, and you complete a quest worth 15,000 XP, 13,000 of that XP just goes. It, it, so you, so you, oh, so, so once you, you hit what? the tier, the once you extra hit the tier, disappears. The XP just disappears, apparently. So How this would I is, even fact-check that? What do you want me to do? Go and well, play a game of Spike Watch and see if I get... Yeah, XP. I mean, I assumed it would be a bug, but then they've... They, I think they've been quite sneaky with the way that they've implemented the battle pass and like how much you have to play to unlock everything without paying even more on top like i mean let's yeah. be real it is a business at the end of the day like yeah. the, this yes. game is supposed to make money for the developers it is not a charity project and i think that a battle pass is a really cool way of being able to 
monetize your game because you're giving people extra, like the cosmetic stuff and making shit look it's, cool. It, yeah, it's all optional, so, you know? Yeah, but when it gets to the agents, I feel like there should be... If you're somebody that plays a shit ton of the game, you should be rewarded for that. Like, you should be able to build up XP in the bank to spend on an agent rather yeah, than... No, like a point system, like yeah. what Riot does with their uh, with League of Legends, as far as I'm aware. What do you Is that think what they if do? They, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, yeah. What do you think if they made it so at the end of the battle pass, you get an agent? Mm, like, yeah, I don't, maybe. I mean, it but, takes but forever you, to complete a battle pass. You but like yeah, that, you still you know, have to... Still have to buy the battle pass, though, right? It's uh, yes, yeah, yeah. But that, that's that's another thing that people are complaining about as well. I mean, there's a lot of entitled people on online saying like, "Oh, the skin prizes are extortionate. I'm never going to pay for that." Well, it's optional fucking content. You know, you don't have to buy it. Yeah, it's yeah. a skin. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. But the the battle pass is like ten dollars, and the concept of a battle pass, I think, is that you can spend ten dollars on it, and you just play the game and you get cool skins, uh, yeah. and that's like the idea behind it. But I think people have realized that if they just play normally, uh, it's going to be quite difficult to get the full completion of it. All 50 tiers and all uh, and unlock every single yeah, skin. Yeah, requires even a shit ton of XP, yeah, right? Yeah, you may... Basically, you, the, it's highly likely that before the end of it, if you're just a casual player, you're not really playing that much. And when I say casual, I mean like maybe an hour or two every night. You're probably going to have to pay some money at the end to unlock every single thing in that battle pass. So, which is kind of a weird concept for a battle pass, you know? And it's... it's uh, yeah. Obviously, it's still they could still change some stuff, but I think with you know when it comes to skin pricing and uh, agent pricing and the battle pass pricing and how much they give for that, that's more the marketing and sales side than it is going to be the game devs who who are like. It's also yeah, going to be just to responding that. to community feedback because, like all things to do with economics, if your consumer base decides to, uh, you know decides that your pricing is too high and they decide not to engage with your product you're going to reduce the pricing uh, if, if people decide yeah. that the agents are way too difficult to get and they dislike it and they cause a shitstorm about it online right will uh, we'll decrease I, it so i think they're going to respond to feedback have you been following the the valorant subreddit at all uh, occasionally they are going crazy like the amount of entitlement on the internet just hurts my brain because they are going crazy and they, i don't know if they still are but they've been going mental over the skin prices like mm. just just threatening to uninstall the game over <laughs> optional skin prices it, it, it's it's absurd and i think uh i think reddit thinks it's larger than it is in terms of the player base but oh, yeah. i mean the only people who have the true numbers is riot right in terms of sure I, who's buying the, the actual skins. I wouldn't be surprised if their skin sales are not that good overall. Well, well I think that might below be... below projected numbers. That would not shock me in any way. The skins I, aren't very yeah. good, though. Well, that's the but thing. They... I think I think more so than the skins being too expensive, they're just not cool. Yeah. So they are... The, the cool-to-expense ratio is just out of whack because they yeah. don't actually look good. I think that's <laughs> a bigger issue than them being expensive. You don't think they look good? I no. feel like they... Like no. the the what do you call it? Like the the vandal skin that goes no. pew 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 See and the bad blacks no. and well, stuff. The fucking laser like vandal. Those. Yeah, don't you like that? It's I feel like so that's tacky. Cool. Dude. Maybe for ten dollars. I mean, this is getting into the semantic area, but it's it, it's. I I do think that they're too expensive for what okay. they are. The avalanche yeah. skins and you're I'm, seeing here, they look like Christmas wrapping paper. Egregious. Ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Ten dollars. Yeah. See some of these. How much are they? Ten dollars. I mean, Oh, per, right, right. If not yeah, more. I looked up the Prism skin now. The knife is like $25, I think. The I bought the Prism set, though, right? 
Yeah, yeah. But our regular gun is like, yeah, 10 bucks or something. I, I spent $300 in the beta <laughs> on, 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 on the wow. points. You got 20% on top. I because, did that too. Yeah, I because was you like, get the 20% get on top. Exactly, Johnny. Exactly. And I thought they were going to come I'm out investing. with some cool skins. <laughs> and they have literally only released poo-poo. Since then, I, in my Sorry, opinion, I, I, I'm not a skin person, so I don't get it. What? Why are these skins poo, but other skins in other games well, people I think, really like? I think like, a I lot of people have different art. Some okay, art pieces but, are cool, and but, others look like trash. But all right, Kurt, can you scroll back up to like the? Um, uh, le let me find one that like like this this Reaver stuff. You you think that looks really terrible? This oh, looks yeah. like the same look, stuff in all of the like. Dude, dude look how noisy that is. That first set of the all gold and purple was yeah. so gaudy. So the tacky. $37 gold hatchet. Please. It, 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 hey, the gold when I see is cool, people with a gold okay? hatchet, That's I get Minecraft mad. shit. I like that. I you like the gold of the hatchet. For, for yeah, $37. I mean, you know, it reminds uh, me no. of Fortnite. They look like Fortnite. No, dude, this, this, no, no wrong. Here's the thing. If you were playing <laughs> Fortnite... No, for, for real. This is a point I keep making. If you were playing Fortnite... Imagine you're coming home from school and you're about to use your mom's credit card to buy a skin in your favorite video game. $40 gold hatchet or $20 and you get to be Captain America in Fortnite. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, I that's really think it is too much. I'm like, also the, very the skins you're showing here, Kurt, as well, these are the ones you can't even buy. You have to unlock them with playtime. Oh. Uh. So, but this is the gaudy one. Like, oh, oh my, my god, this I'm set. Mad. I'm like, mad now. <laughs> like, look at like this. I don't know. It's like they they're like, oh, I'll put some gold on it and make it look cool. What? <sighs> they, they, I think these are pretty good. Yeah, but I bought these happily. Really? Twenty dollars yeah. for that. Another what? thing people are taking issue 20. with is this radianite system where you have to essentially unlock the battle pass to unlock radiant. As far as I'm aware which is then used to just unlock the full potential of the skins you've already bought. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's so mental, to be honest. Look you at this. Like oh my right now, what is that? Dude. Okay, but I think it's that... cool because it's an ax. Everything is a knife and now you can buy an ax. Yeah, I actually quite like it. When I see people running around with the ax, I, I like feel it. like it's like, it looks pretty sick. But I mean, it doesn't look good there, but it looks good in the game, I think. Or it looks no. like funny, you know? I, I, conceptually, I like the idea. It's an ax, not a knife. I like that idea. It doesn't always have to be a knife. It can be any type of melee. I like okay. that. But this that is unproductive. Axe? Come on. It's just whining. What, what, you, what skins do you want to see? What type of skins do you want to see? What games does it write? And how do you want it to I want to see them parents? open it up to Dude. like what CS does. A community thing. Yeah, cool. community But also, skins. for real, the, the, the blue one, that's the prism, The right? prism, That's yeah. better than prism. any other skin yeah. in the game. And it's just... Where, where's the prison? No, where's the prison? no, that's yeah. so because it's so because no it's so simple. It, here, these are ones. these prism. Yeah, yeah. it's Dude, just like no. a metallic. Like it's a metallic Need blue Speed underground two, bro. And you're like twelve years old. You don't like no. that? But the gold is cool. Oh my god, <laughs> you're kidding, see ya. Oh Dude, my this god. is this is just like some neon. Like you're 12 years old, and you're like, okay, well, what color do you want your gun Are to be? Are you it's kidding like, well, me? My favorite color is blue. And make it shiny because shiny is cool. Dog, you are you're the one There's who no bought detailing. the golden axe, bro. This is the one set I haven't bought. Th this is the wow. only set I have wow. bought because it's the only skin that's. 
Okay, what we've what, the conclusion we've come to is that art is subjective, which is the thing that people <laughs> have discovered Wrong. they've known for years. Uh, so we're never going to come below. to a conclusion. Wait, which one is best? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, really team really prison, team gaudy gold. I don't know what you want to call it, but... Okay, to get away from the skins debate for a second, though, the <laughs> other thing that they talked about with acts and episodes... And something that I know that Matt really wanted to talk about, but he's busy baking at the moment for the Overwatch League. Yeah. <laughs> is that, uh, yeah, those ones, the .exe, Jesus. Is that maps are being released, but maps or other major features are being released every episode, which is like every six months. Mm -hmm. And he said that at the moment, considering that the map design, generally speaking, is the thing that is kind of lacking the most in Valorant, he would have preferred much more of a focus on that to maybe not like one every two months, but certainly like put more attention in creating cool maps and redoing the maps rather than releasing new agents. I, I would tend to agree. I think also more importantly, the new agents is also by new features. I'm assuming they mean like game modes potentially. I, I, no, I think I don't think so. I, I, well, maybe that is, yeah. that is weird language that they used. But new maps are important, obviously, because there's four. But then also, I think the game really desperately needs casual game modes for for real casuals yeah. to play. Yeah. Because that's the thing too. Even when you're talking about the battle pass, how long it takes to get everything. If a casual player it can only commit to one or two games a night because they're long games or you know, forty minutes, they're, they're not going to get through the battle pass. But also, it's just. I, I suspect it's not fun for real casual players to be playing a 40-minute game where they're waiting around for maybe 15 minutes yeah. of it because they're not in the game. They're dead. I, I just think they really, really desperately need some new game modes. So, I, I, yeah, and I prefer that over Agents too. They did say that they're releasing a new game mode before Episode 2, which presumably will be in, like, I guess, like, four months. They, uh, this system is really confusing right now because they are only just starting to use this language. But if we kind of think like six months from the beginning of Ignition would be four or five months from now. So sometime within then, they said we're likely to see a new game mode. That has to be Deathmatch, right? Because they've been hyping up Deathmatch forever now and everyone wants it. Is Deathmatch really like That's... casual though? No. You know what I mean? No, like it I... doesn't... I would I would prefer something like Gun Game because I feel like it kills almost two birds with one stone in that you can warm up a little bit with it before you play, but also it is like a, a fun, casual experience too. No, you need both. Well, I yeah, mean, obviously I you need both idea. because I agree which with you that. release first, isn't it? Yeah, I think you need both. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of casual draw to the game currently in its uh, in its iteration right now. If you think about how much Overwatch released with in comparison to... Uh, actually, how much did Overwatch release? With? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, I don't think it really did, right? Like, didn't it just release with the basic version? It was like quick like play, just... custom games. Was the it. quick play? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was. was I mean, how would people play the game if there wasn't? Quick no, play. I just, I, I didn't think there was competitive at the beginning. Sorry, there wasn't. Competitive, like, I thought there was only yeah. one way to play the game at the beginning. Yeah, wasn't yeah. there like two months before? It was two months before they released ranked in Overwatch. But yeah, I, yeah. I actually which um, is pretty in hindsight, similar to this. In hindsight, they haven't added that much. But also, these are the things that people are going to be comparing your game to when you do a new release. It's existing games with all this content, and like it's all yeah. well and good saying you're going to be bringing out content later. But 
Overwatch has arcade mode and gun game and deathmatch and 1v1s and role-playing servers. Yeah, I was going to so, say, and a lot more lore as yeah, well. Like, a lot more lore. More developed characters that people like that are very yeah. iconic game characters of the past decade. But wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that Valorant seems like it's on the right path? Like, it's, it looks like it could progress mm. at a pretty similar rate to a game like Overwatch, for example, and start bringing out like way more game modes, more yeah, maps, way more I, agents, the lore, like all of the shit is good. I think they blew their load too early. You know what I mean? With what? They, with with no, releasing what the game. Oh, when they did. No. I think I they think... can kind of get away with releasing the game now in with the, like the pandemic and stuff going on. And I think there will be like a second hype wave once things go back to normal and like people turn up at school and talk about it and like events and shit i mean I, yeah maybe i i just feel like it's hard to get that hype again that it had i think you know? this i think this game was really good for a release there aren't very like a lot of the games that we now consider to be huge games were not as good as this at release i, I think that people kind of forget that because they don't remember the bad times at the beginning of games but yeah i mean what what are the what are the biggest games right now? Like um I mean obviously Fortnite took ages to be able to get off the ground and That's it just true. had like a resurgence later on. Um Overwatch when it first released, I think was criticized the same kind of way in terms of the observing tools and that kind of stuff when it came to competitive, um, which they obviously worked on massively. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like the 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 whole system has been and you compare it to like the battle royale games as well and there's way more polish than any battle royale game ever released with with valorant um so i i feel like oh, this is apex pretty good was it when it first came out yeah well, that was kind of the thing about apex it was oh yeah it was yeah it was really polished surprise they just yeah i mean they, there was no announcement they just paid a bunch of influencers yeah. and it was out it was like that was actually a really yeah. good release <clears throat> Yeah, I would also I, say it took a while for League of Legends to get good. Yeah, but these games like were so long ago. I feel like it should be a different... There's different expectations these days for a game to actually come out and come out swinging. Am but I when not, does am a I game wrong? ever come out swinging? Apex? I mean, wow. Apex, Apex didn't carry that on, though. It didn't get better, right? It just... I mean, arguably same. it has, but the hype has just died off of it because people played Fortnite or whatever. Uh, mm. It's it's yeah it's a difficult one. I mean, the 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 game is good. I enjoy playing the game a lot. You know, in its current state, don't get me wrong, but people are gonna make comparisons to other stuff, and uh, I think the way you mitigate that is by delaying the release date. I almost feel like they released it early to capitalize off of the Twitch hype, thinking that was gonna carry yeah. over. You know, with the the drop Just system. And also yeah. to try and get ahead of release schedules of games that are already going to come out in November. You know, or but this I, year. I don't think that it would have been any more hyped had they kept it in beta forever. Uh, uh, it could have been depending on how much content they released yeah. on the release. Uh, it depends right. how much they, they really add on to it. You know, if they, if they kept the game into like a bug, bug fixing mode and like took the beta down and re-released it every now and then, you know, yeah. to, with, with a big update. Anyway, we're, getting, we're going down some rabbit holes here. Um, we'll get, we can move on to the next segment unless anybody has anything else to add. Uh, yeah, just the yeah we had some uh, patch notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll do patch well. notes. Is the is the next thing. Um, I, I as far as I'm aware, they made some changes to Viper. I still haven't seen much Viper being played actually, even in my ranked games. 
Um, I know that Cloud9, I was looking back through how Cloud9 got eliminated from the T1 Invitational because I don't think it was actually on stream. And I saw that they played Sageless Viper Comp in, in their games uh, at some point. Interesting. And they're about the only team that did and they uh, they lost. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I think that might be the least of Cloud9's concerns as a team. That's absolutely true. So <laughs> rather than the comps, let's, I mean, you could focus in another direction. But yeah, the patch notes, they got released at 1.02. So what did they add? They added, um, so a buff to Viper. Riot Korea has a really good video. Um, the, the Korean Valorant YouTube page has a video that, that shows every buff with its hmm. pre-nerf. Yeah. So yeah, That's sorry, cool. Kurt, I should have thought about that, but uh, I didn't at the time. Um, but yes, it's, the, I like the change. So the, the biggest thing for me has been the bullet tagging. And you might not think it's that noticeable, but the amount of, I've got about, probably about five hours worth of Twitch clips of me getting tagged and glued to the floor <laughs> yeah. by a classic pistol from across the map. And I'm just like <laughs> losing my mind in the game at the time. And, and you could say, you know why, maybe you shouldn't be stood out of the open. And it's like, there is no way that a free gun should just be able to glue me to the floor if I'm like caught, at, like especially if my movement's quick enough and I react fast enough. Uh, I, anyway, they, they, they've made some adjustments to it. So slowly making it better. <laughs> it feels better now, right? I, does, I have yeah. not noticed yeah. those situations. I, I feel like the game plays as it was intended now. Yeah, I agree. I think it was just a good change, period. I think the up? biggest changes in this patch personally, though, haven't really been the tagging, but more like the tweaks to maps. Um, and that might seem like a really weird thing because they haven't massively changed any maps, but they have committed in this patch to removing shitty little corners that yes. are everywhere. Um, and Valorant has a lot of these corners where it's just a 50-50. If you are one guy and you are trying to clear an area of the map, you gotta walk through a door and you gotta look right or you gotta look left. And there could be a guy behind either of the corners just tucked themselves in. And they've got some uh, kind of images down here where they've, they've basically just put junk in some of the corners, mm -hmm. right? But it's balanced those areas very nicely. It's taken away Bren's favorite little Bucky spot in oh, uh, yeah, that's... Haven Garage well, as well. No, 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 <laughs> I, never, I never played with the Bucky there. Oh, sorry, the short. Uh, okay, spot. I'm, gonna send, Kurt, I'm gonna send you the video here. Um, oh God. It's in the channel. He's just, just using it as an opportunity to plug his own highlight clips. Bro, this is, oh, <laughs> this is the video made by Riot Korea. Uh -huh. um, to to I thought you were just gonna show me your Bucky highlights from Haven Garage no, part two. No, here it is here. So this is a sick video and apparently they're gonna make this for every single patch that details the exact changes to oh, every well, this map. This is really well made. Yeah, so this is sick and it showcases all the little corners. This was one of my biggest issues with the game and I increased my sensitivity because of the amount of 50 uh, or like 180 degrees corner checks you had to do in this game. Yeah. Like, mm. because to swing 180 degrees, because I play a very low sense, I actually increased it and I've decreased it now back to my old sense because thankfully there's a lot less of them uh, in the game. But it was necessary for the longest time to literally have to check one corner. You'd have to wide swing out of some areas and just swing and pray, <laughs> you know? It, 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 it's kind of yeah. absurd. I also like the change that they made. I'm sure they'll go over it at some point, but it's on a main 
of ascent yeah this one so you can now get over the top and peek this top yeah. angle you can self boost oh your God. way up there That's and so, so it's it is it's really good and this one curving it such a smart adaptation to the top there so yeah. that you can you don't have to like wide swing to peek the corner you can just do a shallow one i i love this though because not just for the changes they've made but for the philosophy that it embodies is that they are gonna keep tweaking these maps until the maps are good they're not just gonna put oh, out viper into the world as well cut so here you can see vipers uh walls changed so this is before where you get stopped by objects. Now we're just going straight through walls, which is a, 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 honestly a pretty big That's change. Massive. And I think the longer yeah. teams play around with it, you'll probably see a lot more uh, Viper being played. Uh, this yeah. is ranked, I guess. <laughs> They're like, yeah, ranks in, <laughs> ranks in the game. I, I don't know what this is. I don't know Korean. <laughs> But uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. This is the rank update. Yeah. Is yeah. Oh so, yeah, they changed the look of Immortal as well. I think they made yeah. Immortal look worse ah, personally. What? And then the, no, the surrender feature. So we oh, we can yeah. talk a little bit about this. I, I hate the surrender feature. Yeah, I think it's awful. I think this is a terrible addition to the game because it's Have not you like. Have you been in a game that's been surrendered yet? I got people surrendering against me, which feels even worse. So really? I haven't had. Yeah, I haven't had teammates tilt and like actually no once. I've had teammates tilt and uh, like ask us to surrender, but obviously, like I'm playing, I'm never gonna surrender. It yeah. requires all of you. You might want to pause this video real quick. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah, if you're dominating and you're like getting into the grip of it, like I was playing, um, I was playing a game just to kind of like warm up as well before I jumped on with some other friends, and then I get halfway through the game and we're just dominating the T side and the other team gives up and you're like, okay, now I've just got 20 minutes where I can't play the game. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I planned it out that it would take 45 yeah, minutes yeah. or something else. Now I've just sat around for 20 minutes and I didn't get the satisfaction of really winning, right. you know? I, I really dislike it in, in this game in particular because it, it, it's not like League of Legends where if you accrue a 10k gold lead across the board you you have a monstrous chance of winning and the enemy has no chance i, I think having a surrender system just on the basis of the way that game's design makes sense but in this game there is always an opportunity to come back and yeah because because every round is a new setting and yes the, like the economy carries over but you can if you are smart I, we i've had games where i've come back from literally one and one and eleven at the half. Oh, I've you know? lost. I've, I've had lost games where I've lost at 111. <laughs> we literally had a game where we lost. We, we were 10-2. 10-2 at the half and we lost it because Gumba. Yeah, that a, was because Gangster was throwing though. Gangster wasn't playing with us. Oh, wasn't he? Oh, no, he was. I think <laughs> I he thought, was. Yeah. I think he, I think he was. I think it was Gangster and Gumba just throwing. I blame Gumba oh, more wow. for getting in. Listen, we, we can get into it another time. But the, <laughs> the, the, the point is, it, every game is winnable. And actually, at the higher ranks, you know, no one surrenders. I've noticed. No one surrenders at the higher ranks yeah. at all. Yeah, because they know. Because they know that that is the case. But it's so... I mean, I just think it's a horrible concept to put in the game. Well, also, I, originally when they first added it i'm not sure whether they fixed this but you needed five votes so if one of your players disconnected you couldn't even surrender <laughs> <laughs> which is no. like the main reason you would want to surrender right yeah. right well i was gonna say so what do you do in that situation then though when one of your teammates yeah. rages out of there and you're just wrecked. his motherboard <laughs> can't do anything i don't know <laughs> yeah because uh, do, do, do you not want a surrender feature in the game then uh i think only yes, if... i do i do if you if you have a teammate that has left 
But and even then, they have hatchet mechanics to... in the game. Mm -hmm. If you have a teammate that leaves, you get an ult orb and a spawn. On pistol rounds, you get yeah, light armor. But, but, so maybe you win the pistol, but then after that... But the, the, this is the kind of game where you can hard carry. Like, you can win a 4v5. You can. Sometimes. It's hard, but you, yeah, can. you can. No, you can. You can for sure. Yeah, to an extent, right? I mean, like depends on what rank can. you are as well. You know, like in, in lower ranks, there are way more mistakes done that you can capitalize off, and it's easier to snowball like that. But like in higher ranks, the mistakes just aren't there for you to really hard carry. So it depends where you are. I think personally that it feels kind of shitty with surrender because when you win based on a surrender, there's no visual representation of you actually winning that game. It's sort of just like getting disconnected from a game. Mm. Compared to like Overwatch, where if you win because the game gets cancelled or whatever, because they had a lever, then you see your skill rating go up and like there's actually like a feel-good moment there. But if you just win based on a surrender in Valorant, you're like, okay, well, it, this contributed. I don't know how much and it's just kind of over. Yeah, I, I think you do see roughly, like, it still counts, like, if you go into your career profile, you can still see the increments. But this is another thing that people have been criticizing Valorant for, is not showing the actual mathematical number. Like, the amount of games you need to play with a, with a net bonus, like, you know, win-loss, yeah. to actually rank up. Because yeah. you just don't know. It's, it's hidden from you, which is another thing that people yeah, have been they should be criticizing. They should be transparent with how much you're getting from like a surrender win. Like, are you getting the, I mean, I don't even know. There's no rating. I mean, are you getting rating as if the enemy team had that amount of rounds and you got 13 yeah, So rounds the way it works. Oh, yes. Yeah, or... they have said that that's how it oh, works. Okay. Yeah. But maybe to, you know, make surrender a bit harder on people and to not like promote surrendering maybe they should just make it so if you <laughs> surrender then you win or lose like it's 13 and 0 and so you like get punished for surrendering but mm. the problem with that is there are times like if you are if you do have a lever on your team uh, like it, it's it's not fun to play 4v5 if you're just getting rolled oh yeah of course you know so I wouldn't want to punish people for that system I just think that you should only be able to surrender in those circumstances yeah. I also agree with you completely that Overwatch does the SR system way better than CSGO or Valorant does yeah. by, by giving I'm, you that little yeah. like boost of Dude. dopamine at the end of a match where your <laughs> SR goes like and moves up. Yeah, it's, it's the best system because it's the most uh, transparent system. It, it just shows I'm you exactly what's I'm actually shocked that they didn't make adjustments to it yeah. when they were going from beta to now was ranked. They said, as well they said that, they're going to in the future. Yeah, I'm surprised as well that they haven't added a top 500, but maybe that's on their radar because it mean, seemed like that was a point that was yeah. being brought up quite often yeah, in the beta with ranked. Radiant? Well, it's not, but it's not really a top 500, really is it? It's just a top rank. Yeah. I think, I mean, having that physical list, I mean, yeah, I, I really think Overwatch, their system is just the best because it's the most transparent with all the information, which makes it the most... Yeah captivating to play and, yeah. and the most satisfying to rank up you can see exactly where you are yeah man. So. yeah well should we move on my wait hold yeah, on yeah got more I, of the patch notes as well what do you want to say josh oh really oh no 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 i didn't realize you had more patch notes to go through um yeah well, on the video itself so one of the changes that he rushed past was the minor quality of life stuff with jets uh alt so she now gains her uh knives back when she kills a phoenix clone um, that's the same for soul orbs as well. So Raina now gets a soul orb when she kills the, the Phoenix clone. Slight nerf to Phoenix. Uh, this is, which one's this? Oh, 
What? Smoke. Yeah, they changed smoke density oh. a little bit. Oh, okay. This is the bullet tagging. Uh, so look at this. <laughs> I didn't realize how much of a difference it really was until I saw this. But it is a big, like, if you see it played out like wow. that with two brimstones running against each other, uh, you can see how much of a difference it does make as the bullet tagging uh, changed to it. Because previously it was very suppressive. It looks like he's walking through molasses. Yeah. 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 So that's that's, that's definitely a good change. Yeah. So that's uh, that's yeah. a general patch now. It's all in all, I think it's a good patch. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say the Phoenix things I'm not a huge fan of. And I mean I am a Phoenix player, but because Phoenix when he uses run it back is so pressured to push through like absurd scenarios, like pushing through smokes pushing through trap wires, like whatever, getting rewarded for killing someone who's under so much pressure is kind of whack, but maybe that's only me. I feel uh, like the jet one is perfectly fine because uh, like you don't want to be in a position as jet where you, oh, jet is fine. Where you don't want to shoot, but yeah, the rain one's kind of weird. And I feel like you can easily justify if you rolled that change back, you just be like, well, why do you, is the fire person he doesn't have a soul i don't know like this is a, a very easy way of like by the law yeah. you know Lord, dude. i like that yeah he doesn't because it is an ultimate right it's supposed to be strong yeah yeah he, yes yeah i mean the biggest issue of Rainer, is i think that's Rainer's least concern i i think Lear is a silly concept we discussed it last podcast as well that we did last episode like the idea that this little ball can come up and you have to Change your line of sight. Like, genuinely, genuinely, here's what I do when, when a Leah orb happens. I turn my camera so that my I can see when she peeks so it's out of line of sight of the orb, and I have to just hit the flick of a lifetime. Like, I don't even yeah. go for the yeah. orb anymore. Like, I have to intentionally... I've doing that after you mentioned it. I have to intentionally mess up my crosshair placement. Like, to have the best chance, because yeah. otherwise it just messes up your spray control. Yeah. Silly. Well, Silly. Talking about talking about Rainer as well, and the the brand new agents that were released. Uh, the 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 thing that um, I saw being discussed on Twitter, I think it was Slicky actually, the the coach of Fish One Two Three, said that with the amount of agents being released, he thinks Riot are going for a pick ban process in the future. Oh. Yeah. He thinks that I can he thinks that. that the part of the reason that they are going for a huge amount of agents in the game is because they they want like. Because at the moment, what you've got is, at the top level, you know the style of your opponent, so you can, in some sense, pick your comp based on what they play. Like, there are some teams that play Sageless comps on Ascent, for example, and so you know kind of how to deal with them. You might make a minor adjustment. Most teams don't, but you can yeah. conceive that that might be possible. But a lot of the time, if you don't know your opponent, you are just kind of randomly picking what you think is just the best comp for you to play. Mm -hmm. There's no counter picks. But if you get that many agents into the game, some of them are going to interact with each other in like wow. specific ways, presumably. They, yeah, it, that's super interesting actually to even think about as well because that could be the one of the biggest arguments I've seen online about the game currently is the power of ops of the operator because mm. they are crazy powerful in terms of the accuracy um, while moving, while walking, your your how quick you move when you're scoped in um is very reminiscent to when i used to watch a lot of cs back in 2015 before the orp nerf when we saw kenny s and guardian just popping off of it you know i think guardian yeah. was an offer yeah. Uh, yeah yeah he was yeah, yeah he but i think the, he was more passive i think kenny s was the more aggressive one but but, but you had know. these dominant 
because when Guardian was on uh, Navi, it was Navi, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was like Guardian's opping was, uh, or orping, I should say, was like a centerpiece of that team. Same with Kenny S when he was on Titans, I think, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really stretching here. I did it. I did it. Yeah. I I mean, I I should remember that because it's the only esports I was watching at the time. But the. it's very reminiscent watching Wardell play. It reminds me of Kenny S, the aggressive off yeah. angles. And that's JW, and, bro. But a big part of that, maybe, yeah, the, the, the argument you would make in a game like CS is, well, you've got to nerf the weapon, right? So what they did is they changed the movement speed when you're scoped in. Yeah. They changed the, the accuracy as well in terms of how quickly I think you can stop or how quickly you can reset your aim to zero. Like quick scoping, I think, right? Yeah, so you, so you can't really take these aggressive angles anymore. But in this game... If they had a pick and ban system, you just ban Jet, and suddenly Wardell is limited in terms of how much he can really get done. Because Jet is an enabler yeah. of those aggressive off angles because of her dash. It's like a I get mean, out presumably, of jail though, card. if there's that many agents in the game, there would be some other ones that are really good to warp on as well. And, you know, like he still plays Silver on some of the maps. So I, I was more thinking in terms of the pick ban that there would be. You know how like brims brimstones are setting up these like specific mollies for the post planet and stuff? Yeah. There'd be like some kind of hero that has. <laughs> this is going to sound dumb, but like a milk splatter that gets rid of the fire area or something. What? <laughs> milk. Uh, I thought I you know. were going to say like a force field. No. But, yeah, no, a force field. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. No, I okay. miss me. You know the way that smokes put out mollies in CS? Yes. yes. But yeah. smokes obviously don't do that in this game. So there would have to be some kind of ability that was good on its own, but also specifically countered mollies. Yeah. And that was. Kind of, I don't know why I came up with milk splatter, probably because <laughs> I've, just counters I've got a food. I've been thinking about this a lot. Does anyone else have anything to add before I go on a tangent? Because I've been talking. About I, it. I I just want to say that I I think dying to Molotovs because there's no counter is like the worst shit in the game. Like when you have a viper just yep. sniping venom shit, it's just. Oh. Yep. <laughs> milk. Here it is. The milk. So I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted about uh, about this because I watched. Um, I can't remember what game it was, but it was. It might have been a game-winning play where they literally had to play. The worst scenario in the world is playing against some goddamn Reddit Brimstone player, and he's in a one v two with his alt and a Molly, and I'm thinking on Haven A, and he's on long, and you know that he's sending in a Molotov and then the ultimate to just stall yeah. it out and win. And he oh, yeah, only outplayed. That. That, it was winning play. It was a hundred thieves against Phase. That's it. That was the game I was watching, break. and I saw this and I put out a tweet saying there needs to be some outplay because in CS anyone can buy a smoke. And anyone has the opportunity to outplay that molly, right? By just by yeah. just laying it down and, and negating it. In Valorant, there's no such thing as negating a Molotov. It, it, it's just there. And it creates these really frustrating scenarios to play into. Because the only counterplay is to play fast. But when they have the bomb down and you only have a limited amount of time anyway, sometimes that's just not an option, you know? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Those, the, the, those, those quite literal tens of seconds matter so much. Like, it, it's not just a second or two, it's tens of seconds with the amount of time yeah. you buy with that Molotov. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the counterplay at the moment will become to flush out regular, like, for example, on on uh, Bind A, the place where you go as a Brimstone to set up that default molly is the same place every time. It's an A short, it's at the top. And so if you know that you're playing against a Brim that hasn't used his molly, 
perhaps the game could get to a point where you just don't even worry about the bomb and you just push like straight towards but that area. I think that's what you're going to have but, to do. But unless yeah, but it's such a time sink, yeah, though. it's such a time yeah. sink, and it's such it's so. I think it's terrible game design, and I think the way they solve this is yeah. the Molotov already moves very slowly in the air. Okay, and I think hear me out on this. This is going to sound super cracked. You can shoot it. I think yes. you should be able to shoot the Molotov. I actually don't mind that. I think that that would be cool. Because anyone can, can do that. Out the air. Anyone can do that. It's difficult to do, but it's easy to do if you know what their brimstone's doing. So add some mm. element of mind games where brimstone yeah. players are now incentivized to peek with their Molotov in case they get shot. This is my tweet. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, tagged, I tagged the riot devs because I'm like, I want to hear what they have to say about this. Uh, spoiler alert, they didn't respond. The, the, <laughs> I'm going to go like that tweet right now. Yeah. I'm going to give it the old verify yeah. uh, like. I like Bring that. That's a, attention that is it. a very good idea. And also, yeah. they, I don't think they foresaw what would happen giving Brimstone two area of effect abilities yeah. that Not, last over a long period right. of time. Granted, but that he, is disastrous. Granted, yeah. he needs his ultimate to be able to pull one of it off. But right. as a Brimstone, you, I find it in professional play and even in ranked as well when I'm playing Brimstone, I want to save my ultimate for those post-plant scenarios, usually. Because it's so powerful at just winning you around straight up. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes there's scenarios where you want to use your ult um, to get a quick kill because that can be game winning. But it's just guaranteed impact to just deny the plant. So Yeah. I think most of the time at the pro level, you probably shouldn't be saving it for the post plant because you can't guarantee that you're going to actually be alive for the post plant. Especially when you're doing like yeah, executes on yeah, sites. Like I don't think that's feasible. But there's still a lot of times where you just happen to have your ult at the end because you haven't found a good opportunity to use it in the fight. Or you've yeah. just managed to pick it up during the round by getting kills. Well the Brimstone player is never gonna be the one initiating as well. It's it's kinda of, it's almost likely that he is gonna mm. be one of the final people. I don't know. Alive. There are some entry brims, like, like uh Sabrosa. phase Marv plays like a pretty entry style. Yeah. That feels like it would get phased out over time though. I mean so a little bit, but but the thing is, once you actually deploy your smokes, yeah, what's you, it gonna do? Like, yeah, you are just you a well you're just a walking potato at that point, you know, with a gun. Yeah, you just you're just a gun. So yeah. cool. Good talk, guys. Good talk. Let's uh, end the podcast. Are we done? No, no, we're not done. Let's we're, <laughs> we're gonna move into the pro scene now because um, I don't think we talked about it. The last episode we did. What's we didn't talk about, we talked about Ardis getting potentially banned, but Ardis's name has been cleared. Now, the yeah. source of this is Ardis. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how much to read into, but Ardis has come out saying he spoke to Riot and they did their own investigation and they found that he was not guilty of anything, which is good because Ardis was looking like one of the best offers in the world. Uh, and yeah. I would have hate to have seen his career crumble before it even began because of... Some allegations that could have been correct. I mean, it was his voice in the videos that were, that were coming out. Oh, I mean, he's already admitted to contemplating match fixing. Like, yeah. he, there's no denying it. It was in the video. But, yeah, he, he denies having ever match fixed in CS or in Valorant. And he also denies cheating, which I, I don't think he cheated. I think the match fixing allegations are much more, you know, likely to have some basis to them. But, uh, yeah, the, the, Richard Lewis has actually reported on things, or rather, I think it was... Richard or Decay, I can't quite remember. It might have been Decay, the guy that reports in CS, has talked about situations like this before, though, in the past, where, and I'm not saying that Ardis is, uh, has done anything, but there have been situations in CS where they know that there was match fixing, but because you can't get the financial details, there is just no way to prove it. If, yeah. if you can't work with betting agencies, then 
what what like how are you supposed to gather proof for that unless people are writing down hey, 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 i match fix now haha <laughs> does like you just have to follow the money and people right. you can't follow the money if you don't have uh access to um a working relationship with betting sites so yeah, I mean, I, I, I also, I like how in his statement he says he doesn't know what Riot did, how they in, how they cracked the code that he's innocent. He doesn't know how they did it or what they investigated. I mean, uh, who knows? But that, because what you just said, I don't, I mean, what did they look into? How does Riot know? I don't know, but I guess yeah, they know. I, I'll take yeah. their word for it. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, but it is good, it is good to have a system where you are, not gonna get banned or stopped from joining teams unless there is Black some listed. proof you know yeah so yeah because people I, I throw like around it. fake accusations about cheating particularly oh, constantly yeah. in esports well especially yeah, yeah. in these type of games like I, I i imagine that if there are any valorant devs that listen to this podcast they probably get pretty sick at the cs comparisons but it is the most apt in terms of the player base mm -hmm. and just the way that the esports scene has developed because there's so many tier two cs players that have moved over I was looking, Bren, at the top clips from the T1 Invitational, the T1 showdown that yeah. happened this weekend, because I was looking for our play of the week, you know, our yeah. nice little segment that we have at the end. And so I clicked on the top 10 clips from the T1 Invitational. And about number eight, about the eighth most viewed clip with about 3,000 views was one called Sabrosa Aimlock where he just twitches his mouse and happens to go behind someone who's like the other side of the map, just totally randomly. And Mate, it's yeah. just people, he got massive cheating accusations in CS as well, which I think were unfounded. I mean, I yeah, really looked at the evidence, but I, they, they paid to Oh, here it is, because found it. Is this well, it? Yeah. I think this is, yeah. It goes on to Sabrosa's <laughs> point of view here, and he just has like, it's that there. That was it. Oh, come on. That's you just, nothing, though. You, well, yeah. vacuum. You just, that was it. This is just the inevitability of this type of FPS game, and especially yeah. with people who have yeah. flicky aim like he does. Because that was a thing back in CS as well. I remember there were clips. People would just post clips of him doing his warm-up routine, shooting bots in CS, and he was just 100% flick onto headshot. And when you have that type of aim style, and you're doing that in a tactical Dude. FPS, it, that... That breeds fishy-looking clips, but yeah, in reality, yeah. it's just the nature of the game combined with how individual players move their mice. I'm sure if you uh, cherry-pick clips from my stream, you could find some fishy shit. Yeah, just no. in terms of, <laughs> you don't think so? I think so. Personally. No, you're just too shit. Like I mean that in the nicest <laughs> way. I mean that in the nicest way. But with with most players, with like average players, I think the reason that they have they throw around so many accusations is that they they can't conceive of being good enough to hit certain shots. So they are convinced that someone's hacking, and so then they start looking for the coincidences. Mm. I think I'm good enough, yeah. but that's okay. I was actually feeling a little bit down <laughs> after last night, Josh, because I finished the night with a four and twenty jet game, and uh, oh. uh, I'm yeah. sure that one had many fishy clips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a good show. You know, you know those games where you are tilted. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. No. Okay. No. 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 no, no. Put, put this shit on a 0 0.25. 0 0.25. This. Go back, go, go back, <laughs> back, 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 back. No yeah, can we review that? <laughs> can we review this? 0.25 speed. We're going to go frame by frame because this was, I mean, this is just not even. 
I mean, that was horrific. What? That, that was you like just, aimed at the wall. You, you flicked off of him twice. <laughs> you were right on you, him. To be fair, you did 120 off. damage. Yeah, yeah. This, but this is but like, okay. I'm not gonna get into it. You shoot the wall. <laughs> you did shoot I think the, the game was actually twice. giving you yeah, a little bit game, more than you deserved. Yeah, maybe the game gave me a little bit more than I deserved right then. <laughs> I, I got some. I got some different clips, but Kurt picked the wrong one. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, anyway. There's such a guy in elbow you were locking onto. Uh, That's uh, what you were missing. <laughs> so yeah, waiting for my uh, waiting for my accusations uh, anytime now. You need to talk about the pro scene? Yeah, about I will. Somebody... Go on, Johnny. I wanted to say first that I think that Val um, the Valorant devs were kind of caught off guard by having accusations this early into the game because like there's no mm. governing body for the esports scene at Valorant. And so they're like, who realistically is going to be our PR person if we have to deny accusations and like do investigations like there is like I don't really think you want to tweet that out on the official Valorant account and like even yeah. some of the like the higher up devs that's yeah, kind of weird because it gets personal like there's nothing in place for Valorant to publicly deem the inaccusa or the accusations uh, invalid they or did, whatever so um, they did tweet out something like uh, we vet every uh, we vet every player that plays in esports tournaments that's like getting paid out or something like that. Um, somebody tweeted about it. It was like uh, when artists had these accusations, people were saying, "Oh, he's playing in your esports tournaments. He he was doing really well." And one of the devs responded that they do vet people involved in high-level tournaments. Interesting. I wonder how so. they do that. I mean, they got a pretty. Uh... <laughs> it beats me. Yeah. I'll that take was, their word for I it. Mean, there must be some like more in-depth manual procedure, right? That they use yeah. for those. Maybe games. the, I the don't know. invasive attitude just really drills into the inner workings of the PC. And <laughs> like, for example, a lot of the time with the general public, you use ban waves to not let ban, uh, to not let cheat creators know that their cheat has failed. Right? Yes. You want to kind of trap cheaters. Yeah. You don't want them to be able to use it as direct feedback. So perhaps with the esports people. They specifically look at it so that they don't get caught in a band wave. They actually get caught immediately. You know, like that's a possibility of how they might do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Let, let's talk about a pro scene here, and this is something that I'm I'm going to need your help with because I'm in following the EU scene that much. Um, but G2 have made some acquisitions finally on top of Mixwell. Uh, there was Artis was rumored to be joining it. He hasn't. Uh, yeah. If Artis, after being heavily rumored to be joining G2, now doesn't because of the the accusations that he's been cleared of, that's super unfortunate. But G2 is yeah. shaping up to be a bit of a super team. They're shaping up to be a monstrous team. Mixwell's an incredibly good secondary AWP if Ardis actually does end up joining, and Ardis is easily the best AWP in Europe for my money. And then Paditek, I think he's Polish, and he's been he running is. with the Ford and Boars playing Phoenix, and he slangs. This guy has the most like shaky aim I've ever seen, you know, or not ever seen, but he's got that kind of aim where it's it's not smooth like most CS players. He plays like, um, I don't know, like a, what I guess like a, he, play? He, he like shakes around them as if he's trying to like micro track onto their heads. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, he's yeah. constantly making aim adjustments. It's that style of aiming, but my God, the guy taps heads and he's actually a pretty good secondary opera as well in his own right. So it seems like, uh, they are going to have so much firepower. If they ended up uh, adding Ardis and Scream on top of this, that team would dominate Europe, I think. 
This is really interesting because I think Putty uh, Putty Tech, did I pronounce it right? Putty Tech. I don't know. I think he was back banned in Counter Strike. He was, yeah. He was banned from playing because of a previous back ban on his account. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, he frags. So. Yeah. Uh, for unknown reasons, but you know, let's uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that shaky, aim, dude. If he has shaky aim and he's been vacked before, <laughs> the Reddit's gonna have a field day with this one. <laughs> it's gonna be rough for uh, the young, the young artists and Polytech at the same time. Let's go. Yeah. How is think, the how is the EU scene so kind of shaping up? Because it, it's no secret, right? There's less money. There's less investment in the EU side of esports. Yeah. Uh, what like G two if they're making this super team? It's a shame that we're not going to see international tournaments for a while. To be honest, that's true. I mean, I can give you a quick rundown of the European scene because I've been watching a lot of it as well. We had the Epols Prodigy and the Wave Invitational recently. They're like the big tournaments, and then yeah. the Rise of Titans happened a couple of days ago as well. I I didn't actually get to catch the final of the Rise of Titans because I was catching up on T one. But basically, the big teams are um, a team called Party Parrots has pretty much come out of being a mediocre team to now being the best team in Europe. They're only best by a tiny margin, but they are really good. They're led by IGL Angel from CS. He's like a really notorious CS player. And Xiao is their main fragger. He's mm. pretty sick, but Party Parents have got a, a pretty good like spread. Angel actually frags pretty well. Artist frags pretty well as well. Um, and uh, Dinksy, who's their Cypher player, um, is a secondary opera alongside Xiao. And they're, they're really well-rounded and they're quite strategically sound as well. I've enjoyed watching them play quite a lot and they've been winning, uh, they've been winning tournaments that they've been entering pretty recently. Uh, the, the second best team I would say is Fabrican. And Fabrican have been playing almost exclusively sageless compositions. And they really? have been winning tournaments and making finals playing this. And it is so fun to watch them play. I would really encourage anybody, like, these are former Overwatch guys as well, so it's like our audience perfectly. Wait, hold if on, you are interested in, in, European, in the is European that... scene at all, go and watch them. Who, who is this? Is that Zupe? No, it's not Zupe. No, it's no, Zip... no, no, no. So, so I can't finish. So Zipan's probably the best rifler at the moment in Europe. Maybe you could argue that somebody like Scream is uh, a little bit better, but I think Zipan's been performing fantastically recently. Mm. And they run, nice. yeah, they, they run um, a Sage's comp where they have, it's pretty similar to what TSM run on Ascent, except they don't have a double smoke. Yeah. Uh, they have a breach and a raise. So they have breach and raise to entry. They have blinds with the omen. And then they run the the uh, the cipher and the sova as well for for kind of intel and also recon dart executes. And they run that on every map except split, where you need the sage uh, to be able to slow down in mid. And it's they're they're really good. Like they have been doing very well recently. And they yeah. they just won uh, the tournament again. Started from CS, which is the happy maniac and existence team, who are probably the third best team in Europe right now for my money. Yeah, I think. Sipon was really the addition that unlocked the potential of Fabrican when he came from ninjas in pajamas, I think. Yeah. Um, and he brought so much fragging power to this team that really helped him out. I feel good because I called out Fabrican in our last episode. Oh, mm. you did. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I'm Swedish and that's why. <laughs> no, but Sipon <laughs> was a great addition to this team. So I'm happy they're doing well, of course. Yeah. And then after that, you've kind of got like Hip Hip Hip, which are a pretty good team, actually. And they've been uh, they've been placing pretty deeply, and they've got a cool style as well. They play a lot of Omen, and then Fish One Two Three are still hanging around, but they 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 just have not managed to fix their issues from losing artists. They don't have an op player. It changes yeah. the whole style of their play. They have to play fast with rifles, and they just 
they're just bad at playing fast with rifles. They I, they can't I, yeah. They can't play the same style that do they had previously. Do you think, just based on the evidence of Fish One, Two, Three, Four, and Off, once Ardis is gone, that the top teams to be a top team right now, you almost need this primary secondary opera? Like, as a I guarantee. think you at least need a primary opera. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of weird to me that teams are able to do anything without an opera. There's quite there were a few teams in the T1 showdown that were using who ops for like Sentinels? five rifles for who Sentinels. Um. I can't. I mean, I, I think Sentinels I... were one of the teams that was running majority. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, five rifles. Yeah, they don't. They don't like. No, no, it's running... Shazam. Shazam is Shazam's their opera, though. They, they, he, he doesn't, doesn't do it a lot. No, yeah, but I, that's I, the thing. Like, ops he... are so powerful in this game. I must feel yeah. like you need a really comfortable opera, and normally that'll be the, your, your. I don't. Uh, for lack of a better term, flex player, right? The guy who's playing like Sova or Jet or yeah. something that's kind of filling in. Uh, and on Sentinels, that would be Sinatra, but he hates opping. Sinatra hates opping. Mm -hmm. And it's like yeah. so powerful in this game that I feel like you are just inherently going to be at a disadvantage mm -hmm. just on the way that the game is played if you don't take advantage of how powerful ops are on certain characters like Jet or just even in general, you know? Yeah. Do you think we're in for an op nerf? I, I don't, don't know if they'll nerf ops, personally. I don't know. I think they're going to respond to community feedback. So if people think they're broken, they'll maybe yeah. tune it down a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, it's really just a lack of utility to be able to flush ops out of their spots. You don't have five flashes and five smokes on your team. You have yeah. a range of other abilities. Um, and so that's why I actually really like the way that Fabrican play with their Sage's composition. Because when you don't have a Sage, like, all right, you can't slow things down, you can't wall. But... A lot of the time as well, you struggle to um, you struggle to peak things because you're worried about taking damage because you can't heal it back up, and you're also you're worried about getting into an AWP a lot of the time as well. Which is part of the reason why I think it works so well on Ascent is because you you naturally play a kind of a little bit more timid and smoke things off just because you're scared of AWPs, which is like the same kind of style you want to use if you don't have a Sage on your team as well, and it's like very heavy execute. Mm -hmm. But um, Fabric can play with the breach. So, so you can just flash anybody into any area um, to try and take control yeah. away from ops and try and take control, like map control without actually dry peeking, which is how Sage comps normally play. Yeah, I mean, that's really the thing with the ops, right? There's just not deep flash options in the game. You can't flash yeah. an opper off of a deep angle. You just mm -hmm. can't. Yeah. I mean, Breach is the only one you kind of, kind of can. But even still, it's, it's not as guaranteed as having... I mean, the CS comparison, like having a, set, a long range yeah. flash. So oppers are just always able to hold the deep angle for as long as they want. I think that's the downside of copying, copying over so many mechanics from a game like CS in terms of the gunplay and how the game fundamentally plays without copying over just the fundamentals of the equipment and the utility, right? Like having some sort of outplay for Molotovs, having some yeah. way to flush out op angles as well, like by ev giving everybody flashes, you know? Uh, and not living up to select select characters. It's another reason I didn't even think about that is that is why ops are so powerful as well. On top of why they're already so good. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's as, as oh the other the only other European team to kind of go through I think is NIP because NIP basically like signed a couple of players and then threw away their roster and re-signed some other people. It's super weird. They actually put out a tweet where they were like, we're looking for a head coach to build a roster at the moment. Uh, so anybody okay. who's... 
available. I can respect that though, because from what I've heard behind the scenes, majority teams right now in Valorant are player run. Yeah. Which they is don't, they don't have coaches and they don't want coaches. They don't have coaches and they don't want coaches, which is That's a good a idea. Crazy <laughs> to me, bro. Uh, actually, this this is what happened at the start of the Overwatch scene, as far as I can remember, for a yeah, short yeah. while. Yeah, Do you it remember, was a bit Johnny? different, though. I think I'd say. I mean, because back then as well, it was so hard for coaches to be at the same level of players in terms of like thinking strategically and theoretically yeah because there was an actual legit argument that you had to play at a high level to understand like the decision making going into it like it wasn't as it wasn't x and o's as much as counter-strike and valorant is so i think obviously coaches should be a thing right now for all valorant teams but for overwatch at least for the first year or so until analysts caught up like you know there was that period of time yeah 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 and and it is kind of odd as well moving into a game like Valorant where so many of the fundamentals carry over from CS that so many of these teams do not want coaches and that these player-run teams are a recipe for disaster. Especially they considering really how much I'm hearing some of these teams are getting paid as well. Like, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's really, yeah, that's absurd. The amount that they're getting paid and they have no organizational structure, that doesn't make any sense. You're literally paying but, teenagers just to fuck yeah. around. Well, that's, I mean, that the endless CS comparisons, but it reminds me of, at the time when, it, you know, years ago in Counter-Strike, there weren't really coaches, and then they became a major key to a team's success uh, yeah. a few years after that, yeah. to the point where now you hear about teams in CS, like uh, FaZe Clan, for instance, where like a player on the team has so much say over what's going on. I'm referring to Nico, because he's basically cho chosen ah. their new player on the team. and what, But like those teams are being heavily criticized for those player right. run decisions player at this run. point because yeah. the, the staffing is but, but even that so is key. mostly european right as far as i'm aware even nacs is still a bit of a, a a wild region in terms of being player run more so than europe no i mean not, is that is not, that wrong not, not really anymore no oh, All, okay. the, yeah the top teams definitely have the the structure yeah mm. structure is I think hugely important for, for teams to succeed in general. And it blows my mind. And this leads me on to my next point as well. Cloud9, Dude. what the fuck is going on? Because yeah. this team is not playing well. They've added uh, Relics into their Relics team. Relics is good. Relics, Relics is a great right. player. But it takes more than a great player to fix a team. And this team has some uh, problems. Like, oh my goodness. Cloud9... Yeah. Uh, can I, I, I just want to read out some of the stats. So the spike.gg was the official partner of the T1 Invitational. And so even the Cloud9 games that didn't get streamed, they still covered them and released kind of the, you know, the KDs at the end and stuff yeah. like that. And the heroes that were played and this kind of stuff. So I went through and I looked at Cloud9 because they lost to Together We Are Terrific, who are probably, uh, probably the best amateur team at the moment, the unsigned team in, in North America. And they have some pretty notable former CS players on there as well. Okay, so I'm taking a look. And uh, it's a 2-0 loss for Cloud9. Uh, first map, Haven. Uh, Cloud9 run no Sage. And, uh, uh, oh, Tens drops 39 kills. And the next highest is 16. So, okay, cool. Uh, we go over onto the uh, next map. And Tens does not drop kills. And they lose even harder. Uh, again, running no Sage and running a Viper this time as well. Super strange. 
Um, all right, so we'll, we'll move on to the next one. They lose 2-0 to Prospects as well, mm -hmm. in which first map, it's bind, it's really close, and actually the rest of his team is fragging alongside him. Mitch has 19 kills playing Raze, and Tens has 19 as well. Uh, you go over to Haven, and they just get slaughtered, and Tens is again uh, the top frag, but not by a ridiculous margin. Again, not running a Sage. Uh, and the only series where they looked competent at all, they played against FaZe and they went 1-2 against them. They actually won a map. Mm -hmm. uh, the first map is Bind. And again, Tens drops 30 kills. Next highest, Relics with 15. Jesus. So again, just monstrous performance from Tens. Nobody else putting up any kind of numbers. No Sage again. Uh, and then the map that they win is Haven, the only map where they ran a Sage. The only map where they ran a Sage, they won 13-12 against a decent team, FaZe, a top four team in yeah. this tournament. Uh, and this time, uh, Tens drops 26 kills, but Relic's actually outfrags them at 29, so they do fairly well. Yeah. And then the next map, they go back to running uh, a Sage again, but this time it's on Ascent, the only map where you can get away with, without running a Sage if you're a North American team. And they just get bodied 13-1 with no idea of how to play so outside of the compositions though watching cloud nine play they are a pug team without the skill necessary to be a pug team is how i feel watching them and mm. th to be fair they've only officially signed two players now and they've been playing with just kind of a mixed roster but they've been playing with the same players roughly uh inside and out the the I think that so many of these organizations that are buying into this idea of Valorant early are just praying that they just come across some miracle combo um, without really investing too much resources from like a structural standpoint. And I'm like, okay, that could work if you're just going into it with the bare minimums. But the numbers that are being thrown around for how much they're investing in individual players yeah. tells me that they're serious about it. But their actions don't, right? The money, the money screams seriousness, but what they're actually doing to enable a team to be successful does not. Also, I just want to point out, sorry, I was reading the Spike.gg's scores the wrong way around. They actually won that Ascent game 13-1 and lost 13-12 oh, no. <laughs> the previous one. Sorry. Yeah. But the, yeah, the 13-1 the was just phase shit in the bed. I got confused by the layout of yeah. Spike.gg. I knew people in the comments would call me up on it. Might be, might be. Yeah, I, but, I yeah, don't want to... Cloud9 did not have a great performance. I mean, that, but how much do you put put into the Sage's compositions then, Josh? Because you, you I, put I this topic that, in. You want to talk about it. I'm over this because you talked about it last episode. Yeah. yeah. But, well, the Sage's comps, I think I kind of covered when I was talking about the Fabrican because they're, yeah. they're really cool. Like they're, it's awesome to look at. And I really do think that we've got to the point where Sage's comps are very viable if you understand how to play them. And you have to, you have to really use your utility and play fast executes and take map control in like aggressive manners. And you force the team with the Sage to play, um, to, to kind of slow the game down and try right. and uh, play retakes in a lot of scenarios and just try and dominate the fact that you can gather intel and slow people down. Yeah. I mean, that them losing three maps before realizing that they should attempt to run Sage. Uh, was that, it three maps that they lost? Yeah, it was three maps. Was Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was three maps. I mean, that... That leads me to believe either it was working in their scrims yeah. and they just felt hard pressed to stick with it, or they just don't have the Bro, the leadership I mean, that's going to address that or the between games. I mean, I yeah. don't know if that's a team if they have any that, type of structure coaching. Sorry, what did you no. say, Johnny? No, like or the manpower, like someone who's actually like pretty decent at 
you know, Sage to begin with. Yeah. The, from what I've heard behind the scenes, I don't know if this is applicable to Cloud9, but some teams, in terms of their work ethic, it's horrific. I mean, this isn't, this, that's, that's, that doesn't surprise me at all. I yeah. mean, what you just said is t these, there are organizations that are willing to invest huge numbers into the players and not staff and coaches, yeah. but the players that are being invested in, there are a lot who they're not invested in the game. Yeah. And they're not taking it as seriously as the dollars they, say. Dude, right? They, so I, I've heard some stories about some teams. I'm not going to name any names because it's it's a little bit rude to, to really call them out. Um, this is some hot tub juice. Here we go. We're bringing it over. Hot to the tub. Now. There we go. I've heard, I've heard of some, some top teams that may not be performing very well recently that you would expect to. Um, uh, and it's, it's more than one. In terms of scrim time that they're putting in, fuck all in the grand scheme of things i'm talking like three yeah. hours a day and that's it like in terms of scrim time and then after that they just play ranked it's like not good practice no structure in place to actually facilitate them and help them grow as a team really just horrific mismanagement and just throwing money into the blender is what it feels yeah. like and this wouldn't be a problem if players weren't getting paid that much because you could just use the argument oh well it's the beginning of the esports scene it's not a problem you know these kind of things will develop yeah but if you're playing your, if you're paying your players as if things are mega mega serious then the rest of your structure should reflect that it's just embarrassing just yeah. pissing it's money actually away. embarrassing and the players themselves i i, I think it's yeah it, it really is a, it is embarrassing. And it's also, I, I can never wrap my mind around the, the organizations who will just rush to pick up players so early on. I, 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 and I get it with some of the streamers and the content creators. And like yeah. you were kind of explaining how like immortals, they really took their time to, to put together a roster of people. Well, yeah, Immortals, but, when they were building their roster, they didn't they didn't focus on like streamers, on yeah. on numbers, on social numbers. They focused, as far as I'm aware, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, they did the tryout process. Yeah, they did say that in their like yeah. announcement video. That like yeah. they even went into like the Valorant stats. So like they they know like clutch percentages and like it's crazy. But they got yeah, people like, from does all a lot of data over. analysis. So yeah. I mean, if if you're an organization that and you want to be an early i mean that has to be the, the route way. you're taking because the i mean it really i think the best thing you said was just that it's there it's serious money the money they're putting forward says serious but they're investing in yeah. players who clearly aren't serious i mean in some cases obviously oh you pulled up the but, sentinels page <laughs> <laughs> sentinels wow. though looked massively improved in the t1 invitational like yeah. they're, they, they're a team that looked better like they're, yeah they they didn't yeah. really beat any good team. Oh well, I suppose Gen G actually, because Gen but, G we expected to be good, but Gen G kind of dude. I, okay, before, so I, I sorry, Johnny, I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say before we move off of Cloud Nine, though, that like we had, we were having these conversations about like spending a lot of money early, but the yeah. fact of the matter is they've only signed two players, and I think yes. in that regard, Jack is like Jack, the CEO of Cloud Nine, he's taking his time to see like what players are actually worth signing. And I think Tens was the org even before Valorant. I think he came from like Apex or something. No, or he something came like from that. CSGO as well. I, and and I agree. Oh, that, okay, yeah. I, we're speaking kind of generally off the back of the Cloud9 topic. Yeah. I wasn't even referring yeah. to Cloud9. Yeah. Because I think yeah. so far, their two, two people that they've signed are... I mean, like Tens was like... 
Tens was uh, another upcoming NACS pro, sick aim, all that. And he played with the Cloud9 CSGO team for a bit, but it just yeah. wasn't working. So he stayed signed to Cloud9, but was not on the active roster. And then he just switched over to Valorant right away. Um, yeah, but this is one of the teams that I think is showing a bit of the issues we were talking about. But the fact of the matter is they've only signed two players and like yeah. you don't have a coaching staff. Like I think that's almost like how it's going to be in that scenario, you know, where right. some other teams... They have a full five. They might even have a coach. And then they're not like putting in the time. And that's where you really go wrong, I think. Yeah. Sure. I also think, though, that Cloud9 need to invest in like the surrounding staff before they try and pick up a team. You know, you can't just rely on uh, random people to put together a good roster or ask the players to try and, you know, pick things that work well. Yeah. I, I don't think I mean, that that's hard, a feasible right? approach. Because, like, if you're Jack, wouldn't you trust someone like Tense at least to start with, like finding some kind of resources? I don't. I, my my I, issue with that though is that most of the time, if you ask players to kind of find a good team, they're, they're players. Their skill isn't in scouting or identification of talent. Like they can tell who they enjoy playing with, but a lot of the time that will end up being who they enjoy playing with rather than mm -hmm. who they are good playing alongside. I think that's how a lot of the current teams have been built as well is that they have friend groups or, or not even friend groups, but like former teammates as well. I'm not saying that everyone's like buddy buddy, but they 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 gel with people at the very beginning, and then they don't tend to kind of mix around. So you don't really get like a you got, you don't get a good test of what you could be. You yeah, just get yeah. stuck with a group, and that's the group. Like for example, 100 Thieves signed uh, the whole of High Ground, which I think they're a good amateur team. I think they were probably like best or second best, top three, top three amateur team uh, coming into like yeah, yeah. at the point where 100 Thieves signed them. And they basically just added Hiko straight in. But do I think, though, that that's the best thing that they could have possibly done? Probably not. Like, I think if you actually ran tryouts and tried to build a team around Hiko rather than slotting Hiko into a pre-existing team, you'd probably have longer-term success. And I don't mean that as, like, a, a knock on 100 Thieves. They actually did all right in this tournament. I just think that the process, there was no process. Or at yeah, least yeah. It, the, it felt the, like there, there was wasn't, one. like, a... I don't know, like a, a replicatable process for other teams to look at. It may work out in this instance, but you, you're not always just going to be able to sign a full team and have them continue to get better and better. Yeah, all, all I know about that was that Hiko had said that that five, they'd been playing together for a few weeks previous to the decision being made. So they must have been yeah. seeing uh, you know, <laughs> some type of success. Yeah, I, I, I actually... I do like the 100 Thieves approach to how they built this team where you have Hiko as a veteran and you build it around new upcoming players that are quite, you know, moldable so that you can form it into an actual good team. Um, and it takes a little bit longer. I was getting really triggered when I was reading online comments of people saying, hashtag free Hiko, Hiko's in prison, free oh, nah. Hiko. Like he's not in prison. He's just on a new team, you know? Yeah, high ground are good as well. Like, I, they, they, I was watching the game against uh, Immortals. You know that ridiculous 13-12 game? Yeah. And the, the comeback just from Venerated. And their, their, um, their defaults, their fundamentals of being able to, you know, uh, hold angles and peek for each other and take map presence in that way, they did a really good job against Immortals yeah. throughout that series. I, I don't think that they played badly. I just, I feel like if you're building a team, most of the time you're going to get better results in the long term. 
if you have a process that has some kind of like selection to it rather than just because what you're doing is you're you've just have faith that the high ground roster is the best that you could have done you know yeah, you just got yeah, faith yeah. that they did we, a good job well, building kind of, yeah but there's so much resources and stuff that goes into it i think it's too yeah. early to like really invest like i can admire what the immortals are doing and i think like almost in a sense like what immortals are doing it's almost like unprecedented in most esports, at least this early in an esports lifespan. Like, the, you know, this kind of like analytical approach to building a roster, we don't mm. really see in esports until no, like a don't. year or two into the esports. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But this is right off the bat. So well, I'm looking forward to see how that turns out for Immortals because they could easily as well, just like in four months, replace the roster. Like, I, I don't know how it's going yeah, to turn out. Sure. I have but no I, idea. They but I would say elements. it's probably much easier for Immortals to make changes because the players don't have pre-existing loyalties to each other. You yeah. know, like if, if you're a 100 Thieves coach or manager or whatever the hell, and you see like one of the guys is underperforming. And again, I'm just using 100 Thieves as an example. I have no in, inside knowledge or anything about that kind of stuff. But if you try and replace one of those players, I would imagine that some of the other players from high ground would be like, <laughs> hey, we like playing with this guy. And that's yeah. the same for a lot of these teams. I think that's like a, a natural thing. If you have player-run organizations, it becomes more difficult to adapt in the future. Yeah, make those changes yeah. and, and I, I think up. We've kind of moved yeah. over to the T1 talk, T1 uh, No Street Gamers showdown topic. So Yeah. <laughs> what a sick tournament. I thought yeah. it was dope to watch personally. Yeah, I, uh, I almost predicted the, uh, the full bracket to perfection. Did you really? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I, I did. Because cool. I'm friends with a lot of the uh, the Immortals uh, guys, like uh, Packing Gumba and, and Gangster now, I, I suppose, because Gangster carries my fat ass in ranked. The, uh, I, I predicted them to go on a lower bracket run to the finals, and it almost right. came to fruition. But uh, I was. Uh, my, my key takeaways from this tournament were um, number one, I think 100 Thieves. I need a lot more time together and if they've been playing together already they need i think they need some sort of structure to just help them um uh, because just adding hiko as this kind of uh, i guess big brother figure this veteran not really uh not really the go-to solve everything scenario when you just surround them with with some younger players um, they only thought... seem to be good 100 thieves when they were orping when you gave venerated mm. the orp yeah other than that they didn't really get much done in the rifle rounds, I think. I thought uh, that um, Sentinels were improved from the last time we watched them. The last time we watched Sentinels play, they looked dreadful. Like, well, that was eight years ago, it, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. But they, I, I'm just surprised because they've made improvements yeah. without a coach. So I'm surprised at how much they've improved. And uh, I think their downsides now are more to the fact that they don't have... Um, those players that like opping, you know, Shazam is not one of those players that you have in your mind as like this, this guy who's very proficient with an operator who can go toe to toe with Wardell or um, uh, yeah, but, Marv or whatever. Yeah, you feel like he should be though, because yeah, yeah. he, I mean, because he, he was a, good, a great opper before, so it feels yeah. like he should, I think be. he should be the guy, but because they need I, someone. I, yeah, I think he would be as well. I think, he, they, but he doesn't they, play the role necessarily. Exactly, for I think they're reluctant to put him in that position because they have a different understanding of how they want to play the game. Uh, you see Sentinels, and they are just frag hungry. 
more so than any team that we saw in this tournament. They like to push the map on defense and they're not pushing it for map control. They are pushing it to hunt frags. <laughs> they're playing Haven on defense. I was watching them and I, I love aggressive defenses on Haven. I've been uh, uh, watching, uh, started from CS over in Europe. They do a really lovely set executes to be able to take map control. And I think it's, it's fantastic. You get Intel, you get all of that territory and you can sometimes steal a kill off it as well. Whereas when the Sentinels play, they push up on the defense, but then they instant—they don't like stand there and just acknowledge that they've taken space. They push even deeper to find a person to mm -hmm. try and get a kill. Every, not every round, but a, every a time they push rounds. up, it seems like they're hunting kills. And like the way that Sinatra uses his recon darts to always to try and get a kill. He's like trying to entry by getting recon darts behind people in garage and stuff like that. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a different way of playing the game for sure. Yeah. yeah, specifically when teams don't play Cypher, I think that's super viable to go on those banks and like expose that, and especially on Haven. So I think that's like something you're going to see more of. It's like when teams don't play Cypher, you're going to see a lot of teams just like push up for space uh, because there are so many uh, entry abilities in this game. Yeah, uh, uh, what else was a key takeaway? FaZe Clan, they announced uh, one of yeah. their players, right? Corey, yeah. our, our boy Corey. And the, Zachary. Uh, is Zachary on FaZe? Yeah, but he's not signed, I think. No, Zachary hasn't been signed, sorry, but he yeah. was playing in T1 for He was, phase. yeah, but he oh, was a surprise. This team. Yeah. I think give a bit more time for this team. They're, it's it's quite clear that they're quite comfortable playing with each other. I think this team has been playing for a while um, together, but I'm I'm glad they've got Corey as like this central piece because I don't want to say his talents were wasted in Overwatch or in the Overwatch League because they weren't. Like He was a phenomenal player, but I mean... Goats didn't help him, did it? Let's be real. And then this guy is this guy is a sick aimer. I was watching him pull, just crank out his practice routine for 30 minutes on aim labs, and he plays grid shot like he's plugged into the PC. Like I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. Like he was just ripping off the like the the, the way grid shot works is it's a I think it's a five by five grid, and there's only four four um, boxes that'll be filled in with circles at one time. And when you destroy one, another one pops up randomly. But he is just a freak of nature. Like, Corey is a one-of-a-kind genetic freak when it comes to aiming. Uh, and, yeah. like, if you've yeah. got one of those players that I know Corey is super positive, very PMA, always willing to improve. Look at this. Thank you for finding the clip cut. Look at this dude's aim, dude. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, that's... Holy <laughs> that Look is at this. Like, oh looks my up, god. Dude. It does, that's, yeah. That's crazy. He looked really good. He looked really good yeah. all yep. weekend. Yep. I mean, I think, to me, two standout pieces of phase pretty clearly were him and Marv. Yes, in my 100%. Marv, Marv looked really actually good. actually looks like the best, weirdly. Like, I was not expecting anything from Marv, and he looked really good. Yeah, he had, he definitely, over the weekend, Marv had the highest peaks on phase clan, I think. But Corey was pretty consistently Consistent, solid throughout yeah. the whole time. He was really good on Ray's. Um, he was really good with the raise utility too. Actually, I yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's not a stat for it, but I would guarantee he had the most raise utility kills over the weekend. Um, I think but, that but, sounds like a meme as well because there's going to be players yeah, know, listening to this. I like, know. The general really. the general consensus is that raise takes no skill. <laughs> and I, no, no, that's just because you stand in obvious spots <laughs> and don't know how to move out of the way of grenades. Like I'm like, if you're not top fragging with raise, like you're you're screwing us over. Yeah, top yeah you actually are. But the <laughs> but there, there is an element of 
playing around race utility and, and yeah. getting the maximum value out of it that uh, the, the top race players have, you know? Yeah. But I think, you, I think they, really they got to get marked. They have to get him. He looked too good. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that they're totally missing a trick if they don't sign that guy. And also, I would say that I was really impressed by how many of their team that they ran in this tournament could use the AWP. Like, they passed it between multiple players. They they have, like, the primary AWP player, but Zachary was playing it at times. Yep. Uh, Marv picked it up uh, many times as well. Um, I, and it was... Who was playing the, the primary AWP for that guy, uh, for that team? It was... Um, Fuck, I can't remember now. I've forgotten what the was it uh, not what the roster was. Uh, no, it was deaf most of the time, wasn't it? Mm, I mean, I don't know because they passed cypher. it around so much. But I, I feel like it was most of the time in the hands of their cipher, uh, and I'll then they real. sometimes they, passed they, it to Marv, yeah, they, and then they sometimes passed correct. it to Zach. They, they passed that thing around. It was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I saw it in Def's hands quite a lot, and I was surprised at how good Def was playing because I think the last time I saw Def play was like. When he was playing with the Sentinels that time, when they just oh, again rolled, because he's well. just been on a bunch of different mixed teams. Hmm. Yeah, Faze um, one of those teams. I think that you'll see see a little bit of yeah. a little bit of time, and they're only going to get better. But I, I think uh, over time as well, you're going to see this gap develop between the teams that actually have proper structures and support structures around them compared to these player on teams that are more pug like, yeah. that are just literally old boys clubs, and they're just only playing with right. people they know. Like Immortals have already kind of. They got picked up as this ragtag group of gamers. And I was reading comments online. Let me find one of them and I'm just going to read it out. You guys are going to be laughing at this. Where is it? But Here a it lot is. of the casters didn't believe in them as well, right? Yeah, no one, none of the casters, none of the talent believed in them. And I mean, to be fair, what have you got to base it off? But here's one of the comments on Immortals Pickup on the Reddit thread. What a horrible roster. A main player, an IM battalion player that gets farmed every tournament an emo advanced player, and one of the worst French-Canadian CSGO players. Is this from the 10-man experiment they did? Why not pick up an MDL team like Swall Patrol or Rugrats? This roster sucks, lol. Like, there were so many comments like yeah, that. That's very... It's And they finished fourth yeah. in the T1 tournament. That's no, that's such third. a grand. They finished third? third in T1. Yeah, tournament. they finished third. Look, yeah, they nearly they nearly won that lower bracket game against T1 as well. Like yeah. they they went up. I think it was nine five, and they and T1 brought it all the way back. It's it's such a grand misconception that the better you were at CS, the better, the better you're, you're going to be at Valorant. I think it's. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's the opposite, but that line of thinking where it's well, I was good in CS. When you're playing Valorant, I, those people, they're just not going to be as hungry. They're not going to have the same passion it's as some game. of these younger players. Yeah. And those teams they were talking about where it's like the boys club, where it's just like CSGO tier two pro nepotism bringing yep. in their friends. Those teams are going to be gone in a few months. Uh, or you, like yeah. Those guys just aren't going to last compared to some of... like Those players might have been worse in CS, but they were newer, hungrier, younger players. Like... Asuna was, uh, he was not even in MDL yet, but before Valorant was coming out, he was getting tryouts with like every MDL team wanted mm -hmm. him. He was looking really good, like one of the upcoming, you know, potential top players eventually in CS. And then I think he went to Valorant at the perfect time. He didn't yeah. like, he didn't crescendo in CS. He didn't yeah. hit that yeah, peak. It's a developing he, player moving into Valorant. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. He's only I think that's perfect. I think Austin is going to be one of the best players in Valorant. He already looks like one of the best players to me, but I think he might be like top three yeah. at least. Is he, is he currently sixteen. He's 16. Yes. Yeah, he's sixteen. Yeah. 
doesn't that raise some issues about whether he'll even be able to compete in certain tournaments that are right no. because uh, they said Magus they, said that they wanted to try to lower it from 18 to 16 i like to believe they, they want with espn on the release but it comes, at the end of the day it comes down to legal things right like it's to do with child labor laws at the end of the day and well, that, does it come down I to that? I don't know. It I mean, what Fortnite is 13. Yeah. So if Fortnite, Fortnite gets around it with 13-year-olds. Yeah. I think but it's just I'm competition. Sure, I'm sure it's a legal issue, though. It can't just be people deciding what they want to do. It's, it's If you franchise, isn't there, like, some argument that people are working for you rather than for the organization and there's certain new laws that you have to abide by? Maybe. Yes, I'm not familiar with it, so I'm not going to comment like that now. Because they have to count as employees of the organization. Whereas Fortnite, they're just individual players, just like being represented by the orgs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. The, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's some legal difference there that actually makes it. Well, when it comes down to franchising, maybe, but there's not going to be franchising for some time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so... I don't know whether it'll make a difference now. Yeah, I mean, I even if it doesn't, you're going to end up with a scenario. Like, imagine if there's franchising in a year's time and Asuna has been popping off in all the tournaments. What a storyline that is then to, like, the countdown to Asuna yeah. entering the league. You know what I mean? Like, and then yeah. he just plays in the side tournaments. For, like, six months and then yep. Asuna comes back. Yeah, oh, his his raise. Uh, his, it was oh so good God. this weekend. Dude, his raise was so good. You don't want to so gas good. him up too much. I'm just saying. It was, did you see the hundred thieves match? Yeah, I mean he, he was yeah, out of control. Really well, but the thing that I like about the Immortals roster is that there's there's not just one individual player that's popping off like yeah. tens in Cloud Nine. It's it's the whole roster is. It's clear that they were, they're working on their fundamentals and their team play as the foundation, and then the layer of skill that each individual player possesses is just a cherry on top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that clutch potential. Anyway, enough about jerking off the Immortals squad. You know, I don't want to give. I, I also more. think that Phase have that same kind of potential. Like, I would not be surprised if Phase get built yeah. properly. If they get built well, those players are really hungry, and I think that just from their showing in this tournament, they look like they have <clears throat> maybe more potential than the Immortals players because their just raw talent was kind of ridiculous, and Phase were pretty loose with how they played this this uh this tournament and they were still pretty close to immortals so i i have a lot of excitement for watching phase develop and sign new talents and i'm also yeah. <laughs> kind of slightly concerned about jason r joining the team if he hasn't been scrimming with them like why is you know what i mean like mm. if they haven't got data for him being good with the team then i'm a little concerned that i mean he signed team... as a as an influencer streamer I have no idea. I, th I, th I thought he signed as a player. Is he signed as a his, streamer? I'm, I think he's a former CS player turned streamer, right? And so yes. I thought he had come back to Dude, play. Dude, that is for so FaZe Clan. I'm fairly... I, I thought I was under the impression they signed him as a streamer because his stream's huge. I, well, and he's kind of just it, playing it, whatever it, it, game. There's player for FaZe Clan. I think, I, they just, I think they just play him in this tournament because he hadn't been streaming with the team. May maybe, I but it also I wouldn't be surprised if Phase is just like, yo, what's up? Let's get the cloud, phase up, you know, and just sign in streamers under the guise of player. Mm. Um actually very similar to what Sentinels did with XQC, right? They signed him as a player. Uh, I, yeah, it's an Overwatch, right? Ages ago. No, I think that's he's still signed as a player, isn't he, for Sentinels? Yeah, and it's it's uh yeah, I mean there's reasons to go into that, but 
I have no idea. I, I'm what not do, a big watcher of streamers, though, so I have no idea how good Jason R is. I'm just, I'm just coming from a place of caution, phase up. being like, if, if they didn't actually, if he's intending to be a starting player and they didn't play him in this tournament, then how do they even know that he's going to be a good fit for the team? Kurt had just pulled like, it up, and it says, uh, it said like we had signed our newest Valorant recruit. Yeah. So I, I mean, think they just, I think that just means. I think what they tried to do is we signed him as a streamer. Let's throw the hot game in the tweet for like maximum clout. Just yeah. put put the you the think? hot game of the moment in the tweet that he's like the Valorant guy because I've he's a yeah I mean his stream is huge and he plays multiple games. He's definitely not just been mm. streaming Valorant. So mm. I think they just put Valorant in the tweet, but because he does stream oh. it sometimes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that normal. I guess. Anyway, you guys want to talk about the uh, the potential MDL pickups and transfers over to Valorant or? Wait, what? No. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Who no. are you referring to? Uh, I I don't know. Cut the stream. <laughs> Wait, was this? I think that's the end. end. I mean, does anybody, does anybody want to talk about <laughs> anything this, else? This is I mean, the end of the show. Do we? I mean, did we? Oh, even touch shit! On team we got to play it a week. Them at all? Oh what? yeah, we got player of the week. What? I mean, we also yeah. just didn't even talk about T1 TSM. The, the finals. Literally the finals. I was final, trying to end. Brand. I was like, right, well, call it. We're done. Yeah, uh, the finals itself. Having rewatched it, this was. I got the feeling that T1. I hate it when people say this as analysis, but this was the feeling I got right because I don't think. I haven't watched enough and I haven't played enough of the game to have like a concrete opinion like here's exactly where they went wrong, ABC. But my subconscious is screaming at me that T1 were boomed in this tournament in the finals, I think. Because they had already lost them in the upper bracket, went down to the lower bracket, squeaked out the win in the lower bracket to make it back into the finals. And TSM started with a map advantage because they had the upper bracket run. Yeah. I don't think they were boomed though. Like from watching them play, I didn't feel like they were uh, dreadful. I feel like, t so in my opinion, like T1 are a bit of a scrimmy team. I, I don't think they have a great read on the meta and I don't think that they uh, play the best style, but they have really good players, very, very good fundamentals. They back each other up really well. And you know, they, they play, uh, good fundamental valorant they just don't play like the the style that's in vogue right now that's getting a lot of people a lot of wins whereas tsm i feel just have like that in spades they have a ridiculous opera really good executes a good understanding of the the meta they have three players that frag the fuck out constantly and yeah. drone had a ridiculous tournament like I, I i don't i don't know i i think the tsm are just a bit ahead i so think they're just a clear number one team Here's my read of what happened. So these are the mental notes that I made. I thought that watching the two maps that they played in the finals, I thought that their fundamentals were off a little bit, actually. This is something that T1 rely on a lot. It's just those those fundamentals that have been drilled into them from playing CS, okay? I'm talking like trading, clearing angles at the same time, using utility to, to take space and, uh, and, and push in with it. The trades, the trades were off is a one thing that I can point out as an individual thing, I think, in this match. And a big part of this was because Wardell loves to just get... It, I feel like he gets in players' or teams' head with the way he plays. He's so fluid in terms of where he plays on the map with the op yeah. at any one time. He constantly changes up his positions, and so you have to keep guessing. And Wardell had... 
either someone on the team on TSM or Wardell himself, I don't know who it was who was making the calls, but they had the they had the read like they had wall hacks on where T1 were playing. Because what it, it felt like wherever T1 decided to play on whatever side of the map, Wardell would be there taking an aggressive up angle. And without I, fail, they but, but would I lose think, instantly. I think that's also because if you are playing against an upper that's like Wardell, you feel like you can never peak for Intel. You can just never peak because you don't know where he is. You don't, you don't like, right. you don't feel safe anywhere. And so I, I think that this was also the reason that Fish123 were amazing in the beta is because it's not so much, okay, like Ardis and Wardell are going to get you a lot of frags, but they're also going to put the fear of God into your opponents. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they play scared against, uh, everyone plays scared against TSM and against former Fish because you just, you can't feel confident uh, peeking out into an area and just wide swinging and taking a, a 2v1 because you're going to get shot and the jet's just going to disengage and then mm -hmm. you've just lost a player. And so people, uh, yeah, I, I think that the trades were off because Wardell was dropping like 15 and 4 every map. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's a good point. Uh, and I think a big part of the, like you said, the success of, T, uh, of TSM is that the fundamentals are all down. They've got three players that without fail will always turn up. Like, uh, if, if one of them has a bad game, they've got two more to step up. Like, Drone, Sabrosa, Wardell. Sabrosa actually had a kind of quiet tournament. Yeah, but he's yeah. allowed to when he's got Drone yeah. and Wardell yeah. I mean, inside him, bro. Drone was just... Insane. His, his consistency was yeah. so high. Yeah. The whole tournament. He, yeah. he, was, yeah. he was just so... He's such a consistent rifler. And I, I think, also love the fact that Drone plays the Phoenix because yeah. he hides in suicide angles. So you're like, you're already scared of Wardell's AWP. And then you have to clear deep angles as well as being worried about the AWP. And then if you go to clear him, he flashes and, and gets a kill on you and gets out. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. That, that duo Thank you for carrying this, just... by the way. I, I, so we're like 10 minutes past the time and I'm raiding in WoW currently. So I'm just here to look pretty. And that's pretty much all I do. <laughs> Because we were scheduled to be done by now, but yeah. I'm late, so I'm looking <laughs> right, pretty. Let's... Thank you guys. You're doing a great job. Let's Keep finish it up. It up Someone's with gonna the... be mad in the YouTube comments, but that's how it goes. You know, that is how, that's how the cookie sometimes. crumbles. Yeah, we can't kick Johnny because he'll mess up our box system. Exactly. Like, so I'm here exactly. to just thank you, know. you, Johnny. Yeah. The 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 play of the week. Let's let's wrap it up then. Let's watch our our play of the week that was pointed out. Uh, I think I saw what clip this was. This was the finale of the Immortals. Um, of Who do they play? Hundred no, thieves. Yeah, right. yeah. Dude, I this is a nail biter because I've kind of like like early Overwatch. I take a liking to a certain team just because I talk to the players and actually realize they're human beings. And uh, you know the 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 the, the Immortal squad. I was like rooting for them the entire way, and it's a different thing when you're following a tournament and actually rooting for a team. Um, so much so that. Uh, when they eventually went out, uh, this play is just absolutely nasty. 2v5. Yeah. And they have a player push from short at the exact same time as a player pushes from lamps, and they just squeeze also, the two though, people hold. What the fuck were they doing playing three from showers here? <laughs> that, just that plant spot. Or, yeah, yeah positioning or the plant. The, the Bjor survives on like two HP. Unbelievable. Awesome. I can believe also, Golden Boy owned that moment. Like, so yeah. sick commentating during this moment as well. Golden Boy's commentating was really good at uh, all tournament, actually. I liked him and da Gaskin as a pairing. I thought yeah. they were very interesting. Him and Gaskin were really good, actually, as casters. Uh, I've really enjoyed 
Pansy as a commentator as well, as a caster. Oh, yeah. I think the... She's probably the best. Yeah, I would would say that Pansy's the best. We need more commentators in Valorant that have just an understanding of, I think, how the game is really played. Yeah, just the game in general. Because, yeah, it's... uh, Get it, though. It's... uh, the talent will the talent is learning at, you know like johnny was talking about at the beginning of overwatch With if all you do coaches. is chat and you don't have time to actually think about the game you know like it's it's much easier for me to learn the game right now than if i was actually casting valorant because yeah. i can sit there with the vots and i can instead of thinking about casting i'm thinking about the minimap and where everyone's moving and i'm taking notes and i'm going back and revisiting and i'm rewinding and stuff whereas yeah, yeah. if course. you cast you're just like you're just thinking about the hype all the time but it and does you feel have to like two every cast is like almost two play-by-play casters and no one doing color yeah that that i can't agree with anyway. there's a lot of play-by-play pairings yeah enough about shit talking uh our peers in the esports scene um, <laughs> we're not no we're not well i mean i'm i'm okay with calling people out if it means they'll improve but i'm not we haven't really named anyone so no but i don't think it's you know their fault either true true They're, it was like okay the analytical now I think we're done. Are we done? I don't know. Anyone want to say anything? Yeah, I think Any so. last words? Godspeed and uh, anyway, good. Good like uh, comment comment below if you think the prism skin is better or the uh, the the gold gaudy skin is better. No, no, not sovereign. Sovereign is not the good one. Sovereign looks like ass. But the first one. No, no the, the gold one. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. The prism skin or the gold one. But there are two gold ones. No, well, uh, anyway, I don't know. I'll just end it. Uh, just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 